chapter 26, Jeremiah chapter 26. How you all doing tonight? Amen. Yoko So, Open Door Bible Baptist Kokai. Amen. Kumbawa. Glad to have you all here tonight. Amen. And uh, I've got a young lady here who lives in Hajihoji, which is about uh, probably an hour from where I live. So uh, it's nice to have her here tonight. And uh, butcher the Japanese and have her laugh at me as I try to speak it. Amen. <clears throat> 2000. Uh, or not, not 2000, 1986 was an incredible time in my life. That's when I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And that first year in, in the, the Christian walk, if you will, was a, an incredible growth spirit, uh, a period for me. And I had gone through some things, and, and how many of you trust God with the big things but won't let loose of the small stuff? You know what I mean? It's easy to ask God for healing and for big things, but then when it comes to our everyday walk, we kind of have a little trouble with that. Uh, Now, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, You can agree with me if that's you, but if you're like a whole lot more spiritual giant than me, then I'll like to talk to you. Amen? But I sat there, and my pastor challenged me on this manner of prayer. I had three things that I was trying to do on my own. One, I was trying to get a duty station that would be closer to home, uh, where I was from, Ohio. Uh, I was trying to get promoted, and my wife uh, wanted to have a baby. And so we were sitting there, and my pastor said, have you ever tried praying for those things? I said, I'll give it a shot. Why not, you know? And I, I found myself trying to be very persistent in this thing and pray for these, these things, and I was in Germany at the time, and, and I walked in the barracks one morning for a barracks inspection, and I was in a really bad mood. I'd been saved for less than a year, so I hadn't become perfected yet. Amen? Matter of fact, I still haven't. But anyway, and I sat there, and, 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 I, and I walked through the barracks, and I was just, you know, ready to rip some rooms apart and some, show some soldiers uh, that, you know, just take my bad mood out on them. And all of a sudden, somebody stuck their head out and said, hey, congratulations on your promotion. I said, excuse me? They said, you got promoted. I said, great, amen. So I went running down to call my wife, and as I walked through the door, uh, Specialist Johnson, the orderly room clerk, was sitting there, and she handed me some paper. I said, what's this? She said, they're your orders. I said, where am I going? She said, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, six hours from my home. I was like, whoa, we're two for three here. This is pretty cool. And I picked up the phone, and I called my wife, said, hey, Susan. She said, wait a minute, I got something to tell you. And that was my introduction into prayer. Now, you would think from that experience and for the next 26 years that I would be this incredible prayer warrior and that God would always be big in my life. Amen? But you want to know something? Through my life, God has had to stop me and remind me of some things. And being a missionary is actually a lot of pressure because people expect us to be closer to God than anybody else. You see, in 1987, I got back to the States. I went through the very first missions conference I'd ever been through. And it didn't didn't sink too much in me because my wife had that baby during that missions conference. It was the first night of missions conference. The pastor asked me what what happened today. I said, I got me a boy. Uh, Nathan was born. And I don't remember any part of the missions conference after that. But after that, I started realizing these missions conferences and meetings like this is what got me to Christ. 
Because you see, I may be a missionary today, but in 1986, I was the mission field. I was the guy that they were talking about on the slides. I was the guy that some guy, and, and check this out, the guy that led me to the Lord, you know what his name was? Nut. <laughs> a nut led me to the Lord. Amen? Think about that, all right? So I sit there, and, and, I, and I go through my life, and, and I, I, I start realizing about these missions conferences and these meetings like this, and these missionaries have these incredible stories, don't they? Amen? I mean, they either have extreme poverty or, or God's blessing or anything, but it's just like when you hear a missionary, you kind of walk away going, wow, why can't my life be like that? And you want to know something? When I walk away from a meeting like this, I wonder, why isn't other people's lives like that? And so I look at my own life and I say, what, what is it about being a missionary? What is it about doing things? You see, in 2002, I went to Japan and I asked God for some very big things. One, I asked him for a piano teacher for my children. Two, I asked for a house that was four bedrooms, uh, uh, two bathrooms. I had uh, two daughters and a wife, so, and I grew up with five sisters, so I wanted two bathrooms, Amen. And I wanted it to have a yard. Now, I got some people here that can testify tonight that I asked for an incredibly hard thing. Because not only did I ask for a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house with a yard, I wanted it halfway between Itsugi and Zama. So I get to Japan, and I go over to Aya Carter's house. She was married to Bill Carter, and they lived over there at Skami Housing Area. And I sat down, and she had all these, these floor plans there. And, and I looked through all these floor plans, and, and finally I picked up this piece of paper, and I held on to it. And she showed me this. She showed me this. About two hours later, I said, I want this house. She said, you don't want that house. You don't want that house. I said, why not? She said, it's too cheap. There's something wrong with it. I said, but it's four bedroom, two bathroom. And said, you don't want it. You don't want it. I said, okay, I don't want it. Make an appointment. All right? So I went there, and I saw the house. And Aya Carter came out with tears in her eyes. I said, what's wrong? She said, you described this house to me. It's weird. She said, you described it to me. It's four bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a yard. I said, really? And she said, there's a problem. I said, what? She said, well, it's 3.9 kilometers to Atsugi and 3.7 kilometers to Zama. It's 0.1 kilometer off. I said, Miss Aya, why is it so cheap? She said, it's haunted. I said, I'll take it. So Mrs. Kabuki comes over to our house and she says, Miss Callahan, do you hear voices? Do you hear creaking? Do you hear sounds in the night? My wife said, I've got six children. Yeah. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 2, says simply this. Thus saith the Lord, stand in in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. Let us go to the Lord in a short prayer. Father, we need the Holy Spirit to help guide and direct us now, Lord. And as I preach what I'm praying is your message tonight, Lord, would it be received through the Holy Spirit? And Lord, may somebody just be reminded or encouraged tonight that you're still a great God and that you're still on the throne. Father, may your word be honored tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I I say this to 
to show you just some examples of how we as, as people get into a situation and we start asking for some big things. I told you I asked for a piano teacher for my children. Well, Mrs. Koromoto, a believer in Christ, came up to me and said, my son will teach your children to play piano. Now, inside, I was very prideful, and I said, yeah, right, you don't understand. My children got talent. They, they actually know where the keys are on the piano, you know, and all these things. So I, I was sitting there, and I was thinking, you know, just this lady, she's a believer. She's coming up. Oh, just her son's going to teach my kids to play piano. So Taku came into the, the um, church there, and Taku Koromoto sat down and started playing the piano. After I picked my chin up off the ground, I found out Taku Kormoto had spent eight years from age 15 to 23 in Austria learning how to play piano. That Taku was one of the top-rated pianists in Japan, and today Taku is the second-rated pianist in Japan. And by the way, Taku is an incredible pianist. He's married to an opera singer. You know, They just had a child last week. child now plays piano and sings. And... Um, <laughs> Just, just this incredible person all of a sudden is my... my now, I'm going to tell you, it, it would cost a lot of money, but because Taku's mom belonged to our church, he just charged me gas money. And, and it's an incredible thing. So I asked God for these big things. And, and then we got to the church, and we got this building, and, and the building was really bad. It was in Yamato, and it was behind the base, and you couldn't get over to the other base. And I said, Lord, I, I need a building. And, and I went to people. I said, we need a building. They said, oh, you can't have a building. It's, there's nothing available. Things are too expensive. You can't do this. You can't do that. And, and I was like, well, why can't we do it? And all I got was, well, can't do it. I said, well, my word, it, it, you know, in, in Jeremiah 26, uh, and by the way, God gave me this verse in 2009. And uh, those first four words are incredible words. Thus saith the Lord. Does not the Lord say you have not because you ask not? Does not the Lord say we're more than conquerors? Does not the word say we're more than victories? Can I tell, or more than victors? Can I tell you this? God believes his word. It's getting us to believe his word is the hassle and the problem. If, it, if God didn't mean it, and by the way, didn't God not save your soul? Does not the Bible say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Don't you believe that? Then why don't we believe that we're more than conquerors, that we have victory in this world if we ask for it? Why don't we believe those things? And here I am, I'm asking for these incredible things, and everybody's saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I said, well, great, let's see what God can do. And you see, I'm stepping out on big faith, and I'm, and I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm just a master of this prayer thing now, and I'm just asking God for all these incredible things. And, and in April, we start, I got there on April 4th, st- uh, started church uh, April 7th, started going and, and just grooving and moving and God's blessing. And everybody's telling me what I can't do. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, Hanako calls me and says, hey, I found a building. Uh, But we have a problem. The owner wants to talk to you. And I was like, whoa. You see, in Japan, the owner doesn't talk to you. You go through the realtors and stuff. But they said the owner wants to sit down and talk to me. And by the way, I asked for concessions on about three different levels. And he gave me everything I asked for. And I went in, and I sit down, and, and there's Kyoko, and there's Hanako, and, and, and there's Aya, and they're all nervous because the owner of the building's there. And he sat down across from me, and he said, I am so honored to have you in my building. I said, really? He said, my uncle 
as a retired command sergeant major in the United States Army. My aunt married him after World War II. And it is such an honor to have a retired military guy in my building. I was like, that is cool. In April, they were telling us we couldn't do it. I held our first service there on December 1st of 2002. And this is where everything got haywire. I had asked for a piano teacher. I asked for this house. I asked for this building. I asked for all these things that were just impossible to get and, and that were just incredible, these big things. And, and on Sunday morning, I'll never forget it, I walked in and somebody said, we don't have any water. Brothers and sisters, I fell apart. What do you mean we don't have any water? Now, since then, I have found 2 Kings chapter 3, where the three kings came together to go up against Moab, uh, the king of Edom, the king of Israel, and the king of Judah. And he said they didn't have any water for their troops or for their, their cattle. And, and uh, the king of Israel is going, Oh, at last has, the, has God brought these three kings together to, to destroy them. And, to, and I'm sitting over there going, Wow, God has done some great things, but we ain't got no water. We're going to die. People are coming here today. Kids, bathrooms. And I'm just falling apart. And I'm sitting there going, what are we going to do? And I'm running around and and I'm like, okay, so God's done all these big things. But you see, the little thing is now going to kill us. And I'm just running around. And and me and the owner are sitting out uh, outside. The owner had come to our first service and we're sitting outside. And I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he's looking at me going, I, I don't know. The guy from the first floor, which is a machine shop, walked out of the thing, walked over to this thing, took off the lid, pressed the button, put it back, and walked back in. And somebody yelled out and said, we got water. (laughs) A reset button. A reset button. Now, I'd seen victory after victory after victory. I read, thus saith the Lord. I've read his word. I understand. Man, God is huge. God can do all things. But man, we ain't got no water. And the guy hits the reset button. I'm sitting there going, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, so we're like about two months later, somebody come running. We don't have no water. We got water, you know? And this is what I've learned over my journey. God is huge and big, but sometimes we think he's too big to handle our little old problems. And we leave him out of the small stuff. I had a guy sit in my office said, hey, preacher, what do you think about this? I got three options. And he spends 20 minutes on option A. And he spends like five minutes on option B. And he spent like two minutes on option C. And I said, well, Adam, I think you ought to take option A. He said, you really think so? I said, no, but you've already made up your mind. Did you really pray to God, or are you just here for me to confirm your decision? He said, you don't understand. I can call them and tell them I'm not coming. You see, he'd already made up a decision. And by the way, that decision almost cost him his family. But you see, what, that's the way we are sometimes. We'll, get, we'll, we'll go full forward, and then when things start going haywire, we'll stop in the middle of it, and then ask God to start blessing it. You see, we need to ask God from the beginning, because look at this verse. This is an incredible verse. Thus saith the Lord. Think about this. If somebody come up here today and said, you know, President so-and-so said this, or our CEO said this, or somebody said this, we would stop and listen. Remember the old commercials when H&R Block or whatever the guy was, everybody listens. What was that name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. And I sit here and I think, though, in our churches, when the preacher gets up and says, thus saith the Lord, do we stop and go, whoa, 
there's something important about to be said. You ever watch the news and they say, flash bulletin, something, da, 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 da. I remember as a kid that, that I was sitting there watching TV and I was so mad. Uh, somebody had interrupted the television program. And, and I went into my mom and I, I was mad. And she said, what's the problem? I said, oh, something's on TV. And my wife or my, my mom went running out there. And it, President Kennedy had just gotten shot. I, I, I was thinking, what's the big deal? But it meant something to my mom. You want to know something? In our churches today, thus saith the Lord just doesn't mean what it used to mean. Think about that. You see, Jeremiah was given a message that he didn't want to preach. It was a hard message. It was a judgment. It was a message of judgment. And by the way, our message hasn't changed. Uh, we talk about the gospel. We talk about giving the good news and everything. But can I tell you, it's a message of judgment. Because people that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is under the judgment of sin. And the penalty will be hell. You see, we make it sound so good. Oh, it's the gospel. It's the gospel unto salvation. It's the gospel that gets us into heaven. But can I tell you, on the flip side, to those people that don't know Christ and don't know the gospel, it's a, it's a message of judgment. A judgment of their life. A judgment of their eternity. So when I go over there, and the pastor said it so well, uh, I see people get so frustrated and get, get so uh, upset over there. But when I go into a place, I understand this. I'm not there to fight the battle against the government and the way they do things. I just go in there and try to get it done and get out of there. Because you see, the gospel, the message, the, the, the message that I have to give, you see, that's what's important. And what God has shown me over the years is this. Sometimes, thus saith the Lord, doesn't have the meaning it's supposed to in my life. Sometimes it just doesn't have the effect. Why? Uh, this is what happened to me in 2008. I got so wrapped up in the ministry that I forgot about God. Think about this. I tell my people over there, activity does not equate to spirituality. But spirituality always equates to activity. Some of the most active people in churches are some of the most unspiritual people in churches. But they're just active. They're just doing stuff. And what I've learned and, and, and what I've seen over the years is this. I can get that same way. I can get so hard-hearted. Oh, man, I ask God for these big and wonderful things. And when he does it, I'm praising him. I'm giving him glory. And then I get into the ministry and I'm getting into what I'm supposed to be doing. And I forget about God. And thus saith the Lord just sometimes doesn't mean the same. So here Jeremiah is given a message by God. It says, thus saith the Lord. Stand in the court of the Lord's house. Notice where he was commanded to stand. In the Lord's house. He's to go to church and stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. And then who is he supposed to, to say this to? And speak unto all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house. Notice this. Who is speaking? God is speaking. Where is he speaking in the Lord's house? To whom is he speaking? To God's people. And what is he speaking? We find that here. It says, all the words that I command thee to, uh, unto them. He told him to speak the whole word. So who is speaking? God is speaking. To where is he speaking? In the church, in God's house. And whom is he speaking? To those that have come to worship him. And what is he to speak? The whole word. But tonight, for the next few minutes, I want to focus in on those last four words. Because this is what he told Jeremiah. Diminish... Not a word. Those four words are pretty incredible. Diminish means to not belittle, 
to do not make it smaller. Matter of fact, it actually means opposed to growth. Diminish. When we diminish something, we make it smaller than what it is. And then A is a singular word. It means a single. And then he said, what, diminish? Not. No. You're forbidden to do it. Don't do it. That word has that idea of you are not allowed to do it. And then what? Word. He said, Jeremiah, I'm going to give you some stuff, and you better not mess with a word of it. Now, we are in, a, in an independent Baptist church. We're King James only. Most of us probably. Some may not be. I don't know. I don't know this church. I don't know what's going on here. But why in the world do we need 128 different Bible versions or how many is out there today? They could be in the thousands by now. I don't know. Why? Because if we don't like it, we change it, don't we? We don't like it, we'll just change it. Uh, I don't like it, so I'll rewrite it. Well, that's not the original intent. What is the government of the United States trying to do today with the Constitution of the United States? Trying to change it. Uh, uh, Pierce Morgan or something about three or four weeks ago uh, was on television. He said this, we need to rewrite the whole uh, Constitution and the Bible. Why? Because they're outdated. And all I got to say is Englishmen, go home. You know? (laughs) I don't care. And I like what, what the preacher he was talking to. Now, I don't agree with this preacher's uh, doctrine and the way he does things, but I understand this. He, he said something that was pretty awesome. He said, the truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, what was truth yesterday is still truth today. It'll be truth tomorrow. We don't need to rewrite anything. And that's what God was basically trying to tell Jeremiah. Jeremiah, don't you mess with my word. Don't you mess with it. And in 2008, I, I was so busy in the ministry and I was so busy with this and I was so busy doing that that I'd forgotten really what I was doing. My prayer life was of none effect. My, my Bible reading, I was just looking for messages. I bet I was as busy as I'd ever been in my life in the ministry. And you know what I found out? I forgot about why I was there and who I was there for. Now, I'm not saying I backslid. I did not backslide at all in the physical or in morality or integrity. What I did backslide, though, is in my relationship with God. Because my relationship with his people was becoming more important. My relationship with getting things done within the church was more important. And what I found out was that, that, that all of a sudden I was worrying about the bills. All of a sudden I was worrying about this. I was all worrying about that. Where for years I didn't worry about any of that because I trusted in God. Because God said he was going to take care of us. He was going to bless us. And I didn't have to worry about anything. But when God started becoming smaller in my life and the ministry become bigger, guess what started happening? I started worrying about things that I never worried about before. And so today, uh, you know, I, I look back and I think that, that was silly, but I know this. In two years, I could be in that same trap. But I know this. God gave me this verse at the end of 2009, or 2008, and I was sitting there reading it, and, and God had really blessed me, and he said, don't diminish the word. Uh, you know, the first four words start out, thus saith the Lord. The first, last four, diminish not a word. You just put those together, and, and it will guide and direct you, won't it? Amen. Let me ask you, how many of you have been in church more than five years? Now, think about this. If you've been in church five years, and let's say you, you're sick one time a year or you have a vacation. for Let's say you're in church for 40 weeks out of the year, okay, just on Sunday morning. You've listened to over 200 messages. Think about that. That's a lot, isn't it? 
Now, if you're a staunch churchgoer and you're at Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you're there and, and you've listened to almost uh, well over 200 messages, almost, what, uh, I had a minute ago, about 2,000 messages. You, you've listened a lot. How many of you think you've heard enough messages to live a good Christian life? But how many of us still don't trust God with the little stuff or with the big stuff or anything? And in 2009, in January, I was looking at it, and, and, and check this out. We were going to lose 90 or 80% of our church in 2009. 80% of our church was going to walk out the door. Pastor, you're like this. Not one of them was mad at me. They were leaving because of rotation. They were leaving because it was time for them to leave Japan. They were leaving because it was time to leave. And we were going to lose 80% of our church. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, now wait a minute, God. I, I can do this. Uh, I can do this like this. I can go and do what I've been doing for the last couple of years and be in control of this church. And I can be responsible for everything. And, and, I, and I can do this. And, I can, and the ministry can be so big. Or I can go back to 1986 and back to 2002 when you were showing me your greatness and how great you were and how awesome you were. And I can come into 2009 with that attitude. So in 2009, I took the church through Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. You want a great church building uh, book? Right there it is. Amen? Just those verses right there, you can grow a church. And I went through that, and, and, I, and I prayed about it, and, and I just let God do his thing. And 2009 was one of those banner years in the ministry. You see what happened? We were in January losing 80% of our church. In December, we were running more than we were in January. That was pretty cool. But you know what was really neat? When I looked out, 60% of the people that were sitting there was one to the Lord, baptized and discipled in that church that year. 60%. And I'm sitting there going, God's pretty awesome. What? The more bigger God becomes in my life and the smaller other things became, the bigger things he did. But the littler he came in my life, the, the, the less he could do in my life. Why? I wouldn't let him. I was in control of everything. And I was sitting there and I was looking at all those things. And I said, wow, Lord, you're an incredible God. And God kept taking this back and saying, remember, don't diminish. Don't diminish nothing. Diminish not a word. Because this is what happens. When we start diminishing God, we start diminishing his word. And when his word gets diminished and that is not as big and as, as powerful and, and as meaningful as it was supposed to be, remember what I started with? God believes everything in this word. He wrote it. For what? To strengthen his faith or to strengthen our faith? Was this word written for his edification or for our edification? He knows everything in this book. So why wouldn't he just, you know not do nothing if it was all for him. This is for us. To what? To realize how big God is. To realize how incredible he is and what he is able to do. I pray that I never get to the point where I think God's done enough. Could you imagine? Well, you've done enough, God. You can stop now. You see, I, I kind of got there one time and you know what I found out? It just wasn't as fun. It just wasn't as meaningful. It just wasn't as awesome as it was. And, and as a missionary, 
I love coming into churches and bragging on God and, and, and praising Him and worshiping Him and telling you all these things that God has done. But what I want to know is what has God done in your life? Because you see, when we diminish God, we diminish His Word. Once we diminish His Word, we start diminishing the Holy Spirit. Once we diminish the Holy Spirit, we start diminishing uh, uh, the Jesus Christ. And when we start diminishing D- Jesus Christ, we start diminishing His church. Once we start diminishing His church, we start diminishing the pastor. Once we start diminishing the pastor, we start diminishing each other. Once we start doing that, then we start diminishing our own role in God's plan. And when we do that, we can sit at home on Sunday morning with absolutely no conscience or with no guilt... And and say, I've done what I needed to do. But let me tell you something. If you make missions, if you make soul winning, if you make giving, if you make all the basic things of the church big in your life, the church will be big. This is what I've realized. I, I saw it in the military. I saw it in churches, and it's one of these numbers. People sit around seeing what everybody else is doing. You see, if I'm a Sunday school teacher and I'm not, you know, doing too well, but there's another Sunday school teacher doing worse than me, I can point at them and say, well, look at them. At least I'm not them. Look how good I'm doing. Well, it's not that you're doing good. You're just doing better than somebody else. What I have found out that even in Japan, I can go and look down at Yokota and I can look at Yokosuka. I can look at other churches and say, wow, look, we're running more than they are. We have a nicer building than they got. We got this, we got that. But the bottom line is God didn't call me to judge them or to measure them. What God told me to do is you stay in the spot I've given to you. Now it's Camp Fuji, Japan. And go to Camp Fuji and build that work. And, and you may never run as much as those guys. And you may never have a building like those guys. And you may not do this and you may not do that. But I know this, as long as I'm faithful for what God wants me to do, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But you see, God's got to stay big no matter what is going on in my life. You see, I can't diminish none of it. You see, when he said, thus saith the Lord, you're more than a conqueror. You know what? I'm more than a conqueror. What? Through Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen? I, but sometimes I go out there and I really just want to do, sometimes I want to show God what I can do for him. That's so contrary to the Bible. Because what the Bible says is God wants to show you great things through him. And you may accomplish some great things in your life, but only under the power of the Holy Spirit and under the power of God. Not ourselves. In the military... I would never take a Patriot unit out by myself. I needed help. I needed a lot of people to help me. When I was a platoon sergeant, I needed a lot of people. When I was a crew crew chief, I needed a lot of people. I always needed somebody to help me along. So why in the world in ministry and Christianity do I try it by myself? Now, I don't know where you guys work and stuff, but I, I can almost guarantee you that most of you would go into work tomorrow if you were the only one you'd have a hard time accomplishing what you need to accomplish. Amen? I mean, you think about it. Now, I know moms are different, and they're miracle workers and stuff. And, you know, this is what amazes me. You ever notice this? A woman that's like nine months, you know, expecting, she can barely move, right? She has a kid, and two weeks later, she's got a kid, she's got a diaper bag, she's got a car seat, and you say, do you need help? No, I got it, you know? It's amazing, isn't it? And I've seen my wife, 
see, she just, she'll, she'll be having all this stuff. Now, I just say that because women are an exception. I'm talking to men. All right? <laughs> women could go in and run the country. It doesn't matter. But anyway, but the verse is simply very, very simple. You know, what happened was Jeremiah gave this message. They wanted to kill him. But they came and they listened to him, and then some people finally realized, hey, that's not a message from Jeremiah. That's a message from God. And no matter where I'm at, no matter whether I'm in a, a Japanese train station saying, Yonde Kudasai, or I'm on a military base saying, hey, I'd like to give you the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what I know. If God's not in it, who cares? It doesn't matter, does it? But when God's in it, wow, wonderful things can happen. And here tonight, if I could encourage you anything... Stop believing the world and start believing the word. This word will transform your life. It did me. And as through the years as I've grown and I've seen the things I've seen, you want to know something? Still, I wake up on some mornings thinking, man, the day's going to be a bad day. And then God just gently reminds me, it's only going to be a bad day if you allow it to be a bad day. And I know this. I wouldn't walk out the door without putting my shoes on. Why would I walk out the door without putting God on? Think about that. Thus saith the Lord, diminish not a word. If I could get you to just see anything or hear anything tonight or grab anything out of this is this. When your pastor gets up here and says, thus saith the Lord, or any other preacher gets up here and thus saith the Lord, you ought to stop and say, wow. This is going to be good. I challenge people all over the place to do this because I know that it transformed me as a church member and as a, as a youth leader and as a youth pastor. This transformed my life. And I challenge people all over the place to do this. What if you went home tomorrow and started preparing to receive the message next Sunday as hard and as fervently as your pastor will prepare, will prepare this week to give the message next week. You ever thought about that? What if you spent time in the Word this week, prayed, and, and, and got down on your face before God and begged Him to do something special in next week's service? You know, you might walk in here and not notice anybody else. You may walk in here just so ready to receive something that He'd get up and say, Mary had a little lamb, and you say, Amen. Amen. I'm telling you what, it transformed me because when I started getting on the other side and I said, you know, uh, I'm just going to, to prepare to receive. You think about it, how many of you in here are football fans, right? Uh, now, if your receiver goes out there and, and drops the ball, what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, well, that's just not right, that's not right. Uh, you know, you're going to blame, maybe they, they're no good, they're, they're this or that. I know this. If a Christian drops the ball on the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not God's fault, and it's not the preacher's fault, and it's not the church's fault. It's because we weren't prepared to give it. That's all there is to it. I sit there one time. I said, Lord, just give me a chance to witness to somebody. Now, this may sound like a joke, but this actually happened. I was in the food court. And I was praying, Lord, give me somebody to witness today. And somebody come by and said, hey, man, can you help me? Do you know where the, um, um, the, the uniform shop is? I said, oh, yeah, man, it's out the door to the right. You go down and you come around and it'll be right there. Okay? All right. 
Lord, give me somebody to witness to today. And I stopped and I looked up and said, hey, would you like me to take you over there? <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, all right, you know. And I've heard that as a joke, but that honestly happened to me. This happened to me one time too. This was great. I walked out the door of my office and this guy stopped me and said, I hate you and I hate this church. I hate the music. Your preaching stinks. I want you to know I don't like this place. And then he walked off. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going down to preach the love of Christ now. This is going to be good. Amen. And I'm just blown away. And I'm walking down the hallway and I'm like, so, so I come out on the third floor and I walk down. I come in the second floor and there's this woman there and she meets me with tears in her eyes and says, I love this church. You're the greatest preacher I've ever heard in my life. The music here is so God-honoring. I want you to know I'm never going to leave. I love you. I want you to talk to this guy over here. <laughs> yeah? Now, I'll tell you the whole story. The young man that, that attacked me that morning was under the Holy Conviction, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit Conviction. And by the way, he's graduated Bible college, and, and, God, and God took revenge on him. He gave him a pastor's daughter. And um, so he's married and all that stuff now. And what, what just was happening was God was dealing with him, and he didn't know how to handle it, so he took it out on me. Don't you love that, Pastor? Isn't that what you live for? Amen. But anyway, what am I trying to say? Those people were dealing with different things, but this is the one thing they didn't do. They both didn't lean on God for the results. They were trying to go through emotions and stuff. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not go through emotions. Let's thus saith the Lord. And diminish, not a word. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. Lord, I thank you for the sweet spirit here. And I thank you for our visitors and our guests tonight, Lord. But Lord, I thank you for showing up tonight, Lord. And there's somebody here that I hope needed this message. I know I need it every time I preach it. So, Lord, would you have your free reign in the service tonight? And as the pastor comes, Lord, would you just be honored and glorified in our, uh, our response to the word? Father, let us hear, thus saith the Lord and not the man. Let's not diminish what you have for us, but let us grow it like the pastor said this morning with those roots. Let us be grounded. Father, may you be honored and glorified in all we do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.